0: All right, we're live. This is amazing. Yay. <laughs> How are you doing? Good. I'm doing great. How you doing? Where are you? Hold up. Are you in New York?
1: I'm in. Uh, I'm in New Jersey. I'm about. Uh, we live about 20 miles uh, west of New York. We have a uh, place in New York City, but we're here with the kids. You know, camping out like uh, the rest of America. Where are you?
0: Uh, we're north of LA in a place called Calabasas. Mm-hmm. So we're hold up and. Uh, you know, it's this week, it's very rainy and cold for LA, which makes it even more miserable. Somehow, I, it's, it's I not as bad there, when it's sunny.
1: There, there, there's go-to content that I that I like to go to. And and number one, your, uh, your posts about the cars bring me a lot of happiness. And I love seeing your kids. On oh, I
0: love. I think that's one of the great things about, I mean, there's nothing great about what we're going through. But I'm really enjoying the time at home. And I'm trying to create these cute videos and business content videos, but the kid videos get more views than anything.
1: Yeah, I think, look, it's, we're being bombarded left and right with the heaviness of everything going on. It's okay to want a respite or just a little bit of a mental break. And your kids are providing that for me. I, you know, I'm in week three now. By week four, I'm going to want you know four more because, <laughs> <laughs> that, to your point, being around my children – as much as I've been able to be with no travel ha- has been maybe the one upside of this entire thing. It's just been life changing me for the last couple of weeks. I'm sure you feel the same way. Absolutely, loving it. So let's talk a little bit. I'm so excited to have my fellow shark and I know there's a lot of people out here who've got a ton of questions. And I'd love to just kick it off by talking about what are you seeing uh, amongst your businesses? I mean, as some are obviously better able to weather the what we're going through right now, some are, but what are some of the patterns that you're seeing?
0: Well, you know, Matt, we saw some of this my core business is cybersecurity and it's a, you know, it's a good sized business. Although funny, in the United States, a the definition of a small business is less than 500 employees. Right. <laughs> which, which is so interesting. In Canada, we're actually a mid-sized enterprise and In the UK we're considered mid also. But we saw some of this happening a while ago and we kind of hunkered down cut down a lot of the unnecessary costs uh, really thought things were going to get pretty bad. And so, you know, pat on the back, what we didn't see happening was the entire uh, stoppage of certain industries. And we certainly didn't see the depth of it. So what we did first and what we advised all our companies to do was hunker down And be able to survive. Mm. And I know a lot of people are out there saying, oh, keep everybody, don't do layoffs, pay your bills, all that kind of stuff. But I think, you know, I would never try to uh, tell somebody else what to do in their business because it works for my business. The fundamental issue right now is you've got to survive. And I think the stimulus package is great. And obviously this isn't going to go on forever, but you have to survive. Hmm. Your business has to stay in business, whatever that means. Right. If you have 50 employees and you're down to two, just hang on, hang on by the skin of your teeth because you've got to have that business in order to come back from.
1: I've been, I've and, been saying the same thing to my, to my companies too, because there is one, there's this sort of uh, desire to hold on to what was lost. And you don't realize by doing that, you might actually compromise your entire future. And that what yesterday was about profitability, today is just about extending your cash runway. The other thing I'm finding is we wanna narrowly define the scope of the problem and say, we're all gonna be back in business by May or by June. And you you base your projections on that, and then you find out you get caught on the wrong side of those projections. And so I've tried to be, without being grim, you know, as conservative as possible, because you don't do anybody any good if you're not in business by the time these clouds lift. And and no one has ever had any experience dealing with anything like this. I mean, I, I was I, I was at 9-11. I was uh, you know, at the, I oversaw the redevelopment of the Trade Center as COO for two years. And I remember even then there were these predictions about how things were gonna get back on our feet and it always takes longer. So you can't go wrong by planning for longer is my, you know, my advice.
0: You know, it's funny, a lot of my friends who aren't in business um, kind of talk to me and say, well, what business would not be able to survive for a few months without any revenue. And and I'm like, that is such an ignorant question for people to say, because who would have ever predicted a total? I mean, you've been in business for a long time. And, you know, we, we, we make projections for a decline, 20% decline, 30% decline. Oh, if things go really bad, we'll have a bad quarter. But who would have ever predicted zero overnight? It's great. Like there, there is no plan for that. And what people that aren't in business don't realize is a lot of the costs in some of these businesses are upfront. People have bought inventory, people have bought goods. And if you can't sell those, your cash is gone. How do you bring that cash back? And, you know, to your point, people in business love control and we love the idea of putting context around a problem. Oh, this is a three-month problem. It's a two-month problem. But I think what's difficult now is we really don't know. And we don't know how we're going to come back. Does it all come back right away? Does it come back in waves? Who knows?
1: Yeah, that's something I've been talking about too a lot. I think if you, uh, if you end up starting out by asking the wrong question, you're going to get the wrong answer. And I think the question is not, how do I rebuild my business as fast as humanly possible? It's, if I were starting my business today, what business would I build? Because, you know, right. the reality is the world has changed in ways we can't totally predict. Some of them I'm not really sure if we we'll just return to our form in two years or not. But regardless, some things have fundamentally changed. But more importantly, everybody's business, yours, mine, they look nothing like the PowerPoint presentation that we developed years ago. Right. And so it's important to almost take a step back and say this is an opportunity, though, to start again and reflect the new world that we're in. Right. I'll give you an example. I had a business that was heavy on retail. And we created a lot of stores, um, but over time, it turned out that we had a much stronger product business, a CPG business. And our first impulse is we got to get these stores open, you know, as fast as possible. And then we all took a step back, and said, "Why are we trying to reopen all of our stores when we were struggling in a lot of cases?" But the product that we were selling at Whole Foods and Target are doing phenomenal. You know, so I would encourage every business owner out there just take a beat, take a breath. Uh, you know, as Robert says, the object of the exercise is to stay alive another day and another day, another day. But while you're doing that, also ask yourself, what business should I be building? Not just what business did I have?
0: It's really well said, Matt, because, you know, my first piece of advice is get out of the heaviness because I think the, you know, every small business, however you define that is a direct reflection of the founder and the CEO. And, You know, I know even for me, there were days where I was like, Holy crap, what is going on? And the negativity was just so heavy, Mm. you know, and it started to color my outlook on everything. And I think it's important to survive, but you also have to have one eye on the opportunity. To your point, your business is going to change. Don't expect it to be like it was before. Like in our business, sometimes customers would say to us, they would buy engineers from us to do staff augmentation and then they would want those people on site well i'm going back to all those customers and saying look if you need me to support you and i'm working from home in the same city what does it matter what city i'm in like yeah. the world has changed forever and so we're trying to find opportunities and you know it hasn't gone to zero like one of our investments on friday which is a golf shirt bad birdie they had an incredible weekend for sales so people are buying stuff because his business was not retail oriented and he doubled down on the online stuff so i I, you know every day i'm getting amazon packages every day i'm getting stuff delivered and you've got to ask yourself not only to survive but how do i grow out of this because you don't want to come out of this simply standing to take one final breath. You've gotta come out of this
1: surviving
0: and growing.
1: How do you feel about, I'm starting to see a, a backlash about all this pressure we put on ourselves to be endlessly productive, because all of our boundaries are now gone, right? If you think about it, humans—we're no different than children. We all thrive when we have some boundaries. As adults, our boundaries were the commute or you know the rhythm of our travel, whatever it was. Those boundaries are now out the window. Sundays are now Mondays. It's like you know, it's like we're in a casino with no light. You know, it's just we don't know what day it is. Um, how do you? You know, you're so philosophical and you know so spiritual. Like, how do you? What advice do you have for business owners who are feeling that pressure to be productive every minute of every day?
0: Um you know I've kind of changed on that. I went through this phase where it all kind of flowed together for me. And I didn't feel the sense of time or context. I probably drank too much wine. <laughs> I didn't have enough You're discipline. Yes. I'm I'm kind of back to it. I think that as business owners, we need to go back to the core reason why we started the business. And I don't think anybody on this call started a great business because they thought it was easy. You know, I know I didn't, I know you didn't. You didn't start your business to say, oh my gosh, my nine to five job is so hard. I'm gonna go start a business because yeah, I don't it's love, so I don't much to get
1: in I want my weekends back. Yeah, forget it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and I think you gotta go back to that. Hmm. I think the reality is it's tough, And if you were kind of going through it and things were going relatively easy, too bad. You've got to go back to the reasons why you started it, because these are tough times. And, you know, the pace of the pack is determined by the leader. Mm. And if you're not driving and if you're not working harder, you know, one of the things I always used to say to my team was, I will never ask you to do something. I'm not willing to do. And I hate to admit it, but for a couple of weeks there, I was not the hardest working person in my company. And I am again. And I'm not saying my team doesn't work hard, but I want to set the pace. And I think every small business out there, don't let the heaviness stop you and paralyze you. Because the one thing that is absolutely certain death Is doing nothing.
1: Yeah, I I, I've I've spent a lot of time reading Churchill the last couple of weeks. Just just that speech, you know, to just to never surrender. I believe that in your personal life, in your professional life, in your business, to persist is to prevail. If you could just make it one more day, and you could just stay at it, you can get there. And and uh, there's been a lot of talk online about how Isaac Newton discovered the theory of gravity and the plague, and how Shakespeare wrote his best works, you know, uh, when the London theater houses were closed. That's all true. They probably did it when they had moments to roam creatively. So, so everyone needs a little bit of an outlet to take advantage of that extra time we have. And I think you, we almost need a structure to figure out how to be, uh, you know, productively unproductive. And what I mean by that is just got to organize and say to yourself, what's something that I could not have explored in my business or in my personal life that I'm able to do now because I do have more unstructured time. The average American got back over an hour of commuting time they didn't have before. If you're working from home, so I've been saying to myself. Where is my green field that I want to allow myself to roam creativity? So I don't spend my entire day on Instagram looking at, you know, Kardashian photos. not that I do that, but you know, whatever it is the equivalent of how I waste my time. I do think that it's important for everybody out there in a business. There's probably something that you were thinking about. That was an opportunity that you were not able to pursue because you were executing, executing, you probably have a little bit more time. How do you look at that? How do you spend a little bit of time uh, allowing yourself to be creative?
0: I, I, So well said, Matt, you know, everybody that started a business saw an opportunity, saw the world slightly different than everybody else in that moment. And if you're so busy working eight hours a day, you're never gonna create something great. Right, exactly. I mean, one of the fundamental jobs of us as founders and entrepreneurs is to see the world differently than everybody around us. And to your point, there are gonna be great new businesses created out of this. And it's all gonna come back one day just got to make sure you stick around for that day.
1: So you want to take some questions? How much time do you have? So I don't, I don't burn. I got time. Let's all do right. It. Let's, talk. Let's talk. All right. right. So I have a question from Mike per, uh Paderono. Sorry if I butchered that. Uh, what industries do you think are going to come out of here stronger? I've been asked that a ton of times too. I want to hear your thought.
0: Yeah. So I think that the industry, some are obvious. You know, remote access, security. You know, we worried about our business at first because you go through paranoia. Everything's going to end. The world's ending but I think security online type of stuff will do well, but here's some businesses that I didn't foresee that are doing well. Um, Obviously, staples companies, sugar companies, anybody that makes ketchup or things like that, but trucking companies, logistics companies, like the supply chain needs to keep working. Anybody in logistics is gonna uh, continue. I think the legal profession will do well. I think unfortunately- Yeah, there's going to be a lot of bankruptcies, and a lot of lawsuits now and later on. So I think certain industries will continue to do well. I see an entirely new industry starting in testing. Um, You know, we, we think that there's a large opportunity right now with a lot of the HIPAA regulations and a lot of the state regulations being suspended, and we'll never go back to that. Like one of the things, Matt, is prior to this, you couldn't do a medical test online remotely you had to do it physically and go to a doctor well all of that is out the window as we need to test more people
1: I think that is the single biggest change that I, that we can be certain of. Some are speculative. Are we going to have a four-day-a-week work week? Or is everyone going to, you know, forget a shoe travel because it's easier to stay home? I don't know. But I know that telemedicine is here to stay because once yeah. you change those regulations, which would have taken years to change, which should have been changed, the ability to go ahead and, you know, consult your doctor online rather than sit in a GP's office for an hour for nothing, like so much could have been done remotely, which would have opened up care for people all over America those regulations were changed overnight, and they're never going back. So I think that to your point, it's so a one industry, which is, which is great, right? There was there was no reason that those regulations couldn't have been changed, other than that they're just too hard. you know. So that's one. I, I think people don't realize this, but prior to COVID, uh, only 12.5% of all uh, transactions and sales in, the, in this country were through e-commerce. So while it seemed... Really? Yeah. So while it seemed so mature, it actually wasn't nearly as mature as we think. I don't know who these other 87% of people that were resistant to buying things online, but they're not anymore. They're getting packages from from wherever they're getting packages from. So I think e-commerce fundamentally changes, and I'm seeing it with a lot of the direct-to-consumer businesses that, that we back. Uh, Do you
0: see retail coming back?
1: I see I see this just accelerating the evolution of retail. So so there's a, I'll, I'll throw one out. It's a brand called Showfields in New York, but there's another one called Neighborhood Goods, right? They aggregate the best DTC brands that people love, and they put them all under one roof, right? So it's basically a convener. There needs to be a bridge to connect all these beloved DTC brands to physical space. What won't change though, and all the data shows this, if you're a a brand that was born online, uh, you do infinitely better if you have some type of physical touch point with your customer and your returns are lower, your long-term value of your customer is actually higher. So I don't think retail is entirely dead, but it's definitely gonna be accelerated. And I think the the mall is obviously in big trouble. I don't know how you, how you feel about that.
0: I think that malls in general were in trouble. There was a stat I read that out of 800 malls in the United States, only 300 were actually making money. Um, I think malls that are destinations will do well. Like there's a great mall here in LA called The Grove. Mm-hmm. uh great mall. run by an incredible entrepreneur called Rick Caruso he's a he's a great guy. I think they'll come out of this because it's it's a place for me to go with the kids. They have incredible stuff to do. but yeah, I think malls are in trouble. What do you think about health clubs? Do you see them surviving? Will I go to the gym again?
1: Well, well that's a, well that's a good question. I mean I know your your beloved soul cycle how have you been surviving without that by the way?
0: I, I, I hate to admit it, but what I've realized is I actually – I used to think I loved working out. What I loved was hanging out with
1: my friends at SoulCycle. This is not a surprise to me, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. This is a revelation to you. <laughs> so wait. Do you miss it enough to go back once uh, once the, the fog lifts?
0: Absolutely. The minute I can go back, I'll go back. Right, Bye. right. That's because I have a community I want to go back to. I think fundamentally, human beings like we like each other and we like to hang out. So I'll go back to my community because I really miss those people.
1: But will I go back to? And you know, I think the winners will. Uh, and I see Equinox doing this. And you know, my disclosure: my partner owns Equinox, right? So I'm biased, but. I do think uh, there it's unsustainable if you don't have a digital option at this point. Everybody has now gotten comfortable with working out from home, working out with a trainer. So if you're any type of, of, of uh, let's just call it gym, fitness establishment at scale that doesn't have a very robust, compelling streaming option as part of your overall package, then I think you're in real trouble. But I don't know how you feel, but I like going to the gym. I like having the range of weights. You know, will, will I make a decision at some point that I'm being ripped off, maybe? But that would just put pricing pressure, I would think, on what I'm willing to pay a month. But even though I'm working out from home, uh, I don't see myself changing that. Well, You know, what is fast? I don't know if you feel this way. We're all in this uh, confined space where all the excuses that we had before for all, the pro- all, the, all our shortcomings are now gone. And I <laughs> discovered that the reason that I'm... Actually, my weight fluctuates is not because I work too much, because I eat too much, which is amazing. And the reason... I'm. I'm sometimes pissed off because I don't meditate enough. So, what's fascinating is like I, all my excuses have gone out the window. Have you found that personally? Like you, you just you're confronting yourself.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny you say that. I I am a highly highly disciplined guy. Mm. You know, I wake up every day at four fifteen. I do this at five. I do this at six. And when all of this happened, it surprised me how much the lack of my routine threw me for a loop. It's mm, true. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm so disciplined and then all it all stopped. It took me a while to come back to it. And the first thing, the first step on that journey for me was allowing myself the excuse to be okay with that. Yeah. I you think- know, cause in the past I was like, if I didn't work out, I was like, Oh my God, what's going on now. It just, it's just going to take time and you have to forgive yourself and you know, you've got to, the greatest asset we always have in life is, is ourselves and our mind and our discipline and our desire for a better day. So I think none of that goes away. I don't think anybody listening to this, I don't think anybody in America doesn't want their life to improve. And we're all filled with hope. We all want it to get better but it it really starts with you. You you you've got to help your family, you've got to help those people around you and you've got to stay positive, right. you know? And I there are days where my wife is kind of down and there are days where I'm kind of kind of down. We hope not to be in that same. We hope we're not both down on the same day.
1: That's great advice. I, I I just put something out today on Instagram that I obsess about is this uh, inner dialogue that we have in our heads. And if ever there was a moment to train the voice in your head to be your greatest ally, it's right now. And so oh, what's fascinating is we have nobody policing our behavior. We're basically living in these little micro universes. Uh, and yet we're chastising ourselves for either being unproductive or lazy or losing discipline about working out. You you need to maintain your optimism and your positive positivity because, that can change the outcome in and of itself. And there's tons of studies on it, the power of positive thinking, but I've even taken a step back saying, like, why are you being so hard on yourself? Right, to your point about working out. It's true. Why haven't I, you know, whatever, why am I working out every minute? You gotta cut yourself a break. So I have a question I've been asked a lot. I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Um, If you are about to launch your business and you're about to try to seek funding, you know, and this struck, what do you do?
0: I would step back.
1: That's what I say, I say step back.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think, You know, I love Shark Tank. Obviously, you know, we've been doing it for a long time. I think one of the things people misunderstand about Shark Tank is the role of VC funding. Mm. A lot of people who've never started a business think you need funding in order to start a business. And I always say funding is not actually running the business. It's just funding. And so I think if you're about to launch, I would step back. And I would build more of the business. The more operation you have, the more infrastructure you have, the more farther ahead you are, the less of the company you'll have to give up if you need funding. And you do not want to get funding in this time because you're going to get people are going to ask you for honors terms. It's going to be really tough. Uh, There isn't a lot of funding going on. I mean, look at even the big VC firms like SoftBank. They just announced last week they're not giving that lifeline over the WeWork for $3 billion. So, you know, if the big guys are doing it, the little guys are doing it also. This is not a good time to be going out for funding. This is a good time for preparation. This, here's a question everybody's going to ask you in the VC world, in the business world. Did you survive COVID-19 and did you grow your business? Because if you can answer yes to both of those, guess what? Your company is going to be more valuable than
1: it was going into this. I 100% agree. I've told every company in our portfolio, the object of the exercise is to de- demonstrate how you can fare in a crisis. That is how It's not going to be judged by how many new stores you opened. It's going to be judged by some type of growth or some way in which you exploited an opportunity. But you're mostly going to be judged by your nimble decision-making. And I, I make the same point, especially in the DTC space. Like, you have no leverage. I don't care how amazingly successful you are. And every VC, despite what they say, is going to be looking to pre, uh, reprice a deal. And it's not in your favor. So if you were going to do a million dollar round or raise $500,000, raise a hundred grand from Aunt Betty. You know, whatever right. you need to do to just make some progress, to, to to get yourself another three months. I would, however, anybody out there who is thinking about eventually needing to raise money, don't send emails to uh, prospective investors saying I, heard, I have a five hundred thousand dollar Ryan and I got three hundred thousand already soft circled right everybody knows that that's not true anymore you're better off just saying I know no one's doing any deals right now I just would love to be on your radar for when things change would you mind taking a look at my deck it's a it gets everyone's back down much less adversarial and, and again no one no one's doing deals right now and if it's funny for a haircut
0: It's funny, Matt, one of the things we found during this downturn, we have an IBD team, which we call inside business development. And they've actually found it easier to get CIOs, chief information officers, on the phone. Because to your earlier point, everybody has more time. Right. You know, in the past, you're in the office. People are coming by. Nobody wants to talk to you. But we've actually seen people are more open to having a conversation right now. If you're not ambulance chasing, if you're not hitting them overhead, if you're not being a jerk. And to your point with VCs, guess what? They have time.
1: Right. Reach out to them. Just let them know you're there. Right. And send them a deck. Just don't send them an investment pitch because, again, it's just going to hurt you. Uh, I'm curious. uh, You've been through so many seasons of Shark Tank, most beloved show in the the U.S. and the business sector, potentially around the world. Um, How do you see this changing the deals on the show and the dynamic of the show? Or is it too early?
0: You know, we were talking about that the other day, we seem to be a mirror to what's happening in America. When we started the show, it was, uh, gosh, almost 12 years ago. So it would have been 2008. It was the beginning of the great recession. And everybody came on the show couldn't get a bank loan, because we weren't sure if the banks were going to survive. And then we morphed into uh you know go funding campaigns and then we morphed into, the
1: first those first episodes with the uh, stacks of cash on the desk right it was a much more you know i don't know it wasn't predatory but it was just much more confrontational right with a big you know who's gonna get funded and who's gonna go out of business it was a different tenor in the so I,
0: I i think this is that you know there are only e-commerce businesses right now there is no retail business right now and i think we're gonna see that reflected And I think a lot of the strategy is going to be, I mean, we were already seeing that shift to online. I mean, most of my businesses that are doing well are online businesses. And I think that's going to be by far more common than retail. Because today, even people are like, oh, you should go with me, the sharks say, because I can get you into this business or I can get you into this store shelf. I don't think people are going to care about that kind of stuff anymore.
1: I have a question from uh, Todd De La Garza. Uh, question about the hospitality industry, and I'll add the restaurant industry to this. Do, do you think this fundamentally changes the hospitality industry, tourism, and, and restaurants? Put that all into into one bucket?
0: I don't know. I So certain parts of it, I think, come back. The re, we. I don't think human beings as a social creatures go away.
1: Mm -hmm. I kind of really
0: like each other you know we like hanging out and we like to celebrate because it is the human condition it makes us happy it fills our soul the the, you know one of the greatest assets in life is our friends and while it's great I'm talking to you I'd much rather be out at dinner with you you know having a drink a bottle of wine and a great meal Mm. so I think restaurants come back Having said that though, do I, you know, my wife and I were talking about this. Will people get on an airplane? Like the idea of getting on an airplane with 300 or 200 other people in that closed and closed in environment, does that happen in the future? Do it makes me nervous going to a hotel? Cause yeah. my first reaction now is regardless whether it's high end or, a low end hotel my first reaction is how well did they clean that hotel who stayed there at, before me like I all that, those.
1: that that you made, you made a great great point I, from a terms of a, from a business standpoint i think one thing that definitely will change is your expectation and your desire to know that your environment and the air in that environment is clean will change dramatically there are a bunch of companies out there who use led uh, technology to basically fry viruses and bacteria i think there will be an expectation You're going to want to know what that air environment, now maybe that changes in three or four years, but by that point it'll be absorbed into our culture. But the same thing with airlines. I think restaurants come back first and quickly because we're looking for a respite and escape. And a lot of restaurants unfortunately won't survive. I think the federal government did actually a good job with the, with the program, not much else, but they've done a good job with the, uh, with the uh, stimulus program for, for restaurants, uh, the quick injection of relief. But I think, um, air, air airplanes, it takes a while for us all to get back on airplanes, feeling comfortable, breathing, breathing. That. It's just common sense.
0: But, I agree. And I think what you're going to see is the growth of testing where airlines will say, fly with us. All our attendants were tested, are tested every week. Yeah. And That's I think amazing. it'll be the same with hotel rooms. I think right. that'll be part of their advertising that we're more sanitary than the other hotel.
1: Right. Okay. I'm going to end. You've been very generous with your time. It's great to catch up Thank with you I have a personal question that someone asked me: Is how are we going to manage without haircuts? Like, what will what will we be seeing with Robert's hair in another uh, another month from now?
0: <laughs> well, I'm actually uh, a small silver lining, Matt. Uh, there was a I don't know if you saw Brad Pitt at the Golden Globes. He had this amazingly long hair, and I look awful with long hair. My wife hates it. Everybody on Shark Tank hates it. But now, because I can't get a haircut, I'm growing my Brad Pitt long hair. <laughs> and I'm sure it's gonna look awful, but in my mind, I'm gonna look like Brad Pitt at the Globe uh, Award Ceremony. But
1: my view, on, my view on that is anybody over 45 who has the hair is got to wear the hair. You know, <laughs> so. uh, if I, I, I'm obsessed with your hair, I think it's amazing. So I like, you, you should keep it and you should grow it out and, uh, and keep going. But, you know, as an aside, do you
0: see that business coming back? Like I see that business coming back right away.
1: Immediately. I, I Immediately. Think, I think anything with an intimate one-to-one kind of environment that you're not being put in a large crowd where you're a little bit nervous or paranoid or like, though those come back kind of quickly. I think those services are going to come back. Anything beauty-related I think comes back instantly, right? I, I would Agreed. love it. You know, I, I think there's going to be a desire to go out to a mall to experiences right away. Uh, there'll be some nervousness about crowds, to your point. Um, I think, just let me give you my government prognostication, because I can't help playing a Monday morning quarterback. I just, people have said to me sometimes, isn't it the time to be positive and not have recriminations to our government? Said, yes, but government's job is to forecast and to skate where the puck is going and to make decisions for us before they're upon us. And using my experience from from nine eleven, I think a, a couple of things have been missing. We seem to be always about two weeks behind the solution to the next problem, and I think we we start to work our way out of this when we have widespread testing uh, available to everyone, so we could uh, isolate those who are infected. Right? We have widespread adoption of of masks and face covers, which we're now which we're now doing. I think when you have those two together, you can begin to separate those who are infected, those who have already been exposed and have antibodies, and those who are in the risk category who may be a, a, over the age of sixty. So we can you know give some distance. I think we're still, I think those solutions will begun to clarify over the next few weeks, but they, they haven't like come together. Uh, I, I, you
0: know, I'm actually a little optimistic about okay. that. I don't know if you saw on Wednesday, but the FDA released. And by the way, I think the key for testing is private labs.
1: Hmm. Okay.
0: Because there is no way that the government has the infrastructure and the scale to test private citizens. 100%. They have to test the military, the hospitals, and so on. But I don't know if you noticed on Wednesday, the FDA released a set of 50 labs mm-hmm. that are allowed to do COVID-19 testing. And
1: Abbott, Abbott kudos to Abbott, uh, who's been around since the late 1800s. They created a test that uh, can process in five minutes on a device yep. the size of you know, a kitchen appliance, basically.
0: The challenge with that test is you physically have to go there. Yes. We, right. we cannot scale a testing system. Photos to Abbott, but there's also 49 other companies on that list. Now, to your point, should we have had this a month ago? Should the FDA realize we're in deep, you know, doo-doo and just allowed all of this a month ago? Yeah, but I'm a little optimistic because I think private enterprise will come out of this. And to your point, it's testing. I'm sure you saw in Germany, they're now issuing national tokens and ID cards yep. for people that are immune. And if you're immune, you're allowed to go back into an environment where there's other people who are immune.
1: Right, and that, that's kind of my point is there just, to, and again, not to be critical, but I think it's important to hold your government accountable. If if we look around the world and you borrow the best practices, what Germany is doing with the tokens and the extent to which from very early on they decide to test everyone at mass, what even the Czech Republic has been doing with face coverings for almost four weeks now, actually with everyone uh, in a DIY sense putting face coverings on trees so you can grab one if you need one. I mean, it's just there's a few things we can learn from others, and I think it's important to step outside yourself. I am optimistic now. I think the best of the United States is now rallying. You can feel it. Apple is producing 1.5 million masks, and and uh, and Joe Tsai has donated ventilators. Uh, you know uh, and I think we're rallying to the cause now, and so I feel like we're beginning to get to the other side and the energy. Needed. Yeah, I, you know, I I do too. I just
0: I I hope that the rising tide of optimism brings everybody along. Mm-hmm. What I worry about is all those businesses that go away. And, and I know how hard that is. And I know how much pride every entrepreneur has put into starting their business and how personal it is. And it's, you know, a friend of mine said to me the other day, well, you know, if you lose your business, you can just start
1: over again. Right. So easy. Yeah. No, no problem.
0: Yeah. Y- you know, and I, and I think, you know, how hard it is to start and you know, what, how, how much pain there is to start. Especially and the people are spent-
1: three to five years, you know, those, like, those are the most brutal years right? So, but yes, optimism. Right. I this, and a word to investors too. I put this out the other day, what you just said, so on point, it, it's hard for an investor to have lost potentially, you know, whatever, half your investment overnight. But imagine if you were a business owner who had lost all those Sunday soccer practices and had put your entire life and like your entire identity and self-worth is based upon that business succeeding and you're now in danger of going under. So. I like to think the first question I start every conversation is, how can I help you? Even as an investor, right. it's time to sort of lower your expectations a bit, give a little bit of breathing room and like grab a shovel and dig a ditch. Like we need infantry people. We don't need generals right now. You don't need updated models every 10 minutes because they're nonsense. The only comp you have is the uh, plague of 1918. And it's not really relevant. So I think empathy towards towards a business owner and what they're going through, what they're losing is critically important, especially for for, you know, for investors. So um, but I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you go. All right, I love. All right, my friend. I we'll yeah. see you. See you out in LA again. Miss your beautiful wife and uh, just stay safe and stay optimistic. You're 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 a, it's always a joy just to see you on Instagram. So so keep making those videos. All right, my friend. Thank right. you. Take care. Bye.